Hello, hello, gentle persons. Welcome back to Divas, Diamonds, and Dollars podcast. We empower today's lady boss who seeks whole life strategies for living their best life. We bring the key success principles to support you as you grow into the best version of yourself, offering whole helpful tips on personal finance, leadership, and business to help you get ahead and succeed at a higher level. We are your host, Larissa Troach. And I'm Cecilia Benford. Oh, you know how I love a pithy, impertinent question. And I'm asking you today, does your personality attract or repel others? And, and, and before you answer, having a quirky personality can be polarizing, but that's not necessarily a negative. I know that I, Larissa, I'm an acquired taste and that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but today we wanted to share with you um, how to be charismatic and connected but first, a PSA from Cecilia. All right. It is my honor again to bring you a little known Black history fact. So this is really little known because this one is um, from a dated native. And I'm actually going to really kind of read this. But this guy was a longtime educator educator and his reputation grew because he was a living history book and when I read this I was just fascinated you know and here, here's the takeaway you know we sometimes say bottom line up front and what I want to say is I'm reading for the more enlightened cosmopolitan person okay uh the, the cosmopolitan listener and those who have forgotten, you know, maybe some things and want to know and grow as a global citizen, okay? And the other takeaway is simply, even in the Dayton area, when I read this, I was telling, I said to my husband, I was like, oh my goodness, um, this is a lot of good stuff here. And I'm sure a lot of people don't know it, remember it or whatever. And I think sometimes we need to go back in history to be our better selves, you know? So this guy, Robert Rice, was a Dayton school teacher for more than 40 years. And the reason he became an expert on Black history in the area was because he worked his gift or his craft, or he wanted to do this. This is, this is my takeaway, right? People only can share all this because they've done it. But this came out of the Dayton Daily News, and he used to write for the Dayton Daily News. So it's great that they featured him. But he was the cousin of a famed poet. Anybody know from here? So I'll say it for you. Paul Lawrence Dunbar. When I read this, it reminded me I did a Black history um, stint with my grandson. And that's what I picked. And so to talk about him and what I learned was, you know, it wasn't just from Dayton, but he actually worked for the Library of Congress and, you know, talked about his tuberculosis and all. So anyway, so he, because he was a cousin to Paul Lawrence Dunbar, he traced his family history lineage from a woman bought out of slavery by the Steele family. And there was a school here, Steele High School, so that name was actually on the high school in 1839. He was um, Rice. Rice's father was the city's second Black police officer. His mother, Dora Rice, was the city's first female Black police 
officer. I mean, that's a, that's really amazing. I mean, we didn't have a lot of black, we didn't have a lot of police women. Nobody did back in the 1800s. So um, anyway, that was his grandfather and mother. His grandfather was a Civil War veteran who escaped slavery to join the Union Army. And before he came to Tennessee, I mean, you know, he joined in Tennessee and then he came to Dayton and he opened up the city's first black laundry. After graduating from Stuyvesant High School, which is still in existence here, it's the School for Performing Arts for the high school students who, you know, do the performing arts. And um, so he graduated from there. He went to Fisk University and Wilberforce University, which is in the local area about 20, 30 miles from here, first private black school college. So he returned to Dayton in 1936. It's important to get the dates, right? So I, I need to remember to call out the dates and became a teacher at Dunbar High School, which is still the high school here in Dayton. And at that time, that was the only school that allowed black teachers. So that's how he got to that school. He stayed there for 35 years. So in 1973, um, 1973, wow, black teachers were asked to volunteer to break down segregated teaching staffs and to go to different schools. So he was one of those who did that. He was considered um, the talking history book. He interviewed people over the years um, he talked about when the first Black residents came to Dayton between 1796 and 1798, okay? So, you know, before slavery ended. Um, th there's a lot of history about that, so I won't go any more into that. But he talks about the town's first Black church that he talked about, uh, the first Black-owned bank, 1970, and the uh, church is still here that the bank is not. Um, and he had to correct people about Paul Lawrence Dunbar's history because um, it was really, um, I can't remember exactly the story, but he had tuberculosis. But it was this Black doctor who really, when he examined him, he was the one that told Paul Lawrence Dunbar he had tuberculosis. And, and that's not really surprising because, you know, sometimes we couldn't go to doctors, only, you know, your own doctors. And so that's how he found out he had tuberculosis. And then uh, I'm just going to leave this last little bit about, for those who have been around here, we have five rivers that run through Dayton. And so, there was a great flood in 1913 and it's the great flood of 1913, you know, comes up in history. And so that created all the big dams that we have around here and, and the whole Metro Parks area. So when people, so a lot of times I, as I'm sitting here thinking, people say, well, what is Dayton known for? Well, you know, there's a lot of little facts right here, right? Uh, but anyway, so this one guy who, he was the first black druggist in this city, um, and so the flood ravaged, you know, his drugstore. So he had to go work for the post office for a few years before, you know, he could even reopen for business. So, so anyway, even talk about up until the 1920s, black residents could attend any theater or restaurant in Dayton. So 
I'm going to leave it at that. The point is you can learn about other people. Sometimes we just know just a little bit of a place. And what does that do for you? My other takeaway, I think, is that don't let anybody tamp down that you ha have no history. Don't let anybody say that it's not important. When we're talking about being cosmopolitan people of the world, global citizens, it is important that you know about other people and the history of the place. That's it for me. I do not have a smooth segue, so I will just have to offer you the framework for today's conversation. Um, and again, with those questions, Larissa, do you have the it factor? We've heard of the it factor. It. Uh, what draws your tribe toward you? Who is the collective audience that resonates with your specific message? Developing the interpersonal skills to create a personality of attraction is our topic for today. And either way you slice it, I will remind you, and I'm sure you know this already, that employee engagement is critical, but so too is client engagement, both of which are driven by your leadership. Charismatic leadership qualities can be learned. I don't want to put a D on there. The word is can. Hmm. Can be learned. So again, we, you know, I'm asking you these questions about your personality and how people are either drawn toward or not so much, you know, um, but we want you to know if you do feel like you have some things to work on, charisma can be learned. And so that's the good news. And we're going to, so first of all, I'm going to tell you what it means. And then she's going to give you some things to look at. Sister Mine. Yes. So simply stated, this is a, a dictionary, Oxford Dictionary definition. It says compelling charm that inspires devotion. Compelling. Of course, this charm, that's charisma, right? And the second part that inspires devotion. I like, so it's, you know, you have to consider this as since we talk, since Larissa said this can be learned, is verbal and nonverbal communication, okay? Uh, both of those can influence and persuade others to fulfill the goals of a mission uh, to support, you know, your business development plan and growth as you, you know, speak to your employees or, you know, other people, partners that come alongside you. It's really important. And so my first thing uh, that uh, I would certainly subscribe to is empathy. I think it's kind of hard if you don't have any empathy to do these things. To really, because remember it says, I like the word compelling and inspires. If you don't have empathy, you know, I'm not so sure. But, you know, the reason why people are drawn to that is because it shows your human side. Um, you are aware about the feelings of others and, you know, you're, you're sympathetic. Um, this will make you or help you be more encouraging depending on how the situation is it starts uh you know just coming out and when people see that it promotes trust as well as creates 
and inclusive environment. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Second one, humbleness. You really can be a strong leader and still be humble. No one likes somebody who's bragging all the time. Nobody likes somebody who thinks it's all about them, which by the way is there, there are some pros and cons to a charismatic leader. So if you have somebody who is, you know, one of those braggers, that's not what we're talking about. And uh, there are a couple of people, um, I was reading an article, it was actually fairly recent, December 23rd, about charismatic leadership. And they called out two leaders today who you would not want to follow necessarily, okay? So yes, you do have to be fluent in self-promotion, but there's a way to do that. And, you know, every situation doesn't call for that. And if you're trying to do something for your business or leading your people, it can't be, you know, for your self-worth, okay? So speak up and share your competencies, but generally speaking, it's not all about you, is it? All right. Sense of humor. Now, this one can be a little bit more challenging. Uh, I think it's something we work at. I'm not the most, I don't think, humorous person. I have more of a dry humor, but when I have it, I have it. And so, um, and, and, and I found that really is being around other people. Some people are born with it. My husband, my daughter, I mean, they're just full of, I mean, they laugh all the time. They, they always have something funny. Um, but I sort of developed mine when I was, you know, being around more people and really and why because there are just situations that happen and you just need a little levity humor can save the day that's really really what it kind of comes down to and so again now picture this the words i've used empathy humbleness sense of humor um you know nobody wants somebody being negative and 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 just uh poo-pooing everything so you you do need to you know up your game and it is like um, a lot of times when we talk about talking about yourself, but self-deprecating humor is pretty good. So that's okay, all right? Um, people feel like they can approach you when you do that. And we should not take ourselves so seriously. So um, I, I I like that part. And, and that's the part I think when mine kind of comes out is that sort of that self-deprecating humor. All right, well... If you think about those three things, clearly genuine interest in others is a, I, I call it a heart matter. I think it's a heart matter, at least for me it is. Uh, it demonstrates love and service for others. And um, so when I reflect on this, I had a friend that I went to lunch with a couple of days ago and uh, we talked about some things kind of, you know, uh, she's much older than me and, um, and it had to do with sort of this relationship you have in, in the work environment. And when you get out of it, you know, what is it that, you know, how do you feel? And so, um, you know, there are people who are just nosy. I mean, you just kind of know who they are. 
they have no sense of coming and asking you things or or you see them asking or saying something about other people. They just knows it. Well, that's not genuine interest, okay? You have to kind of know the difference between that and, um, um, you know, someone knows it and someone just being, you know, someone who's really interested in your welfare. Um, um, people who offer opinions that really... You know, that's really not their place. So um, it can be a challenge for somebody who's shy, but I feel like that's why I said for me, it's a heart matter. I think over time you you learn to, your desire to know somebody or to talk to them will help you in this area because you do have genuine interest in somebody else. It's just maybe needing to get yourself out of your comfort zone to connect fully with them. Um, and I find that, you know, it's just, I think the more you do it, the more it, it comes to you to be able to demonstrate, you know, friendly curiosity with strangers even. Um, when you're trying to, you know, it doesn't take much to look at somebody, maybe to help somebody to see they need something or, you know, a hand or an input, somebody's looking for something and, you know, help this, whatever. A lot of times I can start a conversation because you're showing genuine interest. So um, my last little quality, vulnerability. Well, think about the self-deprecating humor. I kind of use that one, but you know what? Unless you got a lot of ego, and the, that's the other, like I say, there's some cons to those people who are that kind of people who have big egos and it's all about them. You have to be careful not to, you know, follow people like that. That's not what we're talking about, clearly. Um, think about the ones we, you know, I've said empathy, humbleness, sense of humor, genuine interest in others. So vulnerability. Now, I don't believe that everything needs to be a tell-all. But when you share something about yourself, uh, maybe when you're trying to, um, you know, there's a work situation and, you know, tell how you've been through something like that. Um, or it doesn't have to be a work situation. But if we stop and think and pause, a lot of times we each can come up with something. And but but you have to open up. And when you do, um, it invites others to trust you. It invites others to open up to you. And I think at the end of the day, that's really the biggest. When I put all this together, um, and it's kind of like plus, 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 you know, uh, it really does inspire devotion that people want to work for you. They want to get something done. And um, they'll recommend you. They they see you as a model, and it ultimately creates a bond and an opportunity to continue to deepen that business relationship. You know, a couple of things uh, that you were saying. You know, first of all, the humor. I was, you know, you see, as they say, there's an the when you start clicking on a topic online, for example, you know, those things kind of follow you around the internet. And there is this one 
headline that I did not click on. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure why it's following me, but it was uh, code switching. And that's the phrase given to how black people can't be their whole self at work. And mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's all I know about it. I don't know the, the storyline, but the reason I'm bringing that up is because on the humor side, I have made a conscious effort to actually previously I would make an effort to kind of tampen down my humor because you know you say you have a dry humor as do I um and you know not 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 everybody gets my jokes and I do not understand that but um at the same time I do like making people laugh and so when I'm in a meeting I am not serious at all I mean I'm on target and I'm talking about the topic but I like to lighten the moment and help people mm -hmm. life is not that serious you know it's going to be okay um, but this one on vulnerability, that is definitely an area that I, I cannot quite, you know, I'm not so good at because I will meet somebody and I do want to ask the questions, but I do feel like a lot of times it's being nosy, but, you know, in terms of opening up or saying something about yourself and it comes to, you know, when you're having those networking opportunities is how do you start that conversation besides, oh my goodness, it's raining again, you know, and <laughs> so <laughs> But the example that was given, because I was watching another video, as I tend to do sometimes, and it was like, you know, you get in the elevator, you know how when you get in the elevator, those seams on the wall or the buttons, those are the most fascinating things. No one's going to make any eye contact. God forbid that you should say hello to a stranger. But, you know, in this particular example that I think it was on, um, that, well, you know, hey, I'm, you know, they did say hi or however they greeted each other. Well, I'm new here. And, you know, can we can you know because the elevator ride's not that long would you like to continue the conversation over coffee or something so this was in this case it was that's what it was about a realtor who had moved to a new area and how did he rebuild his network in this new location um and that's what it was and that was how he was for example one way that he was expanding his network by you know he invites somebody to coffee it's not always got to be high and by why don't you want to why don't you Consider the opportunity that maybe you want to continue the conversation, invite people to coffee. Um, whether it's coffee or not, you know, coffee is in quotation marks. Just, just go grab a bite and let's continue the conversation, get to know each other, see how we can help each other. So that's the thing. And then there's that whole, I was getting ready to go down a rabbit hole, but I'm back. Um, and what I want you to also think about charisma, um, I consider actually to be an extension of the no like trust factor which we've talked about a couple of times. It comes up a lot in sales, but um, simply put, if you will, I think it's another kind of KLT, no like trust. People like doing business with those they can bond with. And when you are able to help others see the similarities between the two of you or how you how we are more alike than we are different, um, you know, that kind of draws teams in. And similarly, your team will follow you when you can demonstrate how much you care, which again engenders greater trust. And that's the whole um, often quoted phrase from Angela Maya. What is her name? Maya Angela. Thank you. Why did I just twist that up? Oh, totally backwards. <laughs> and so communicating humor. Begging your presidential <laughs> persons, Maya Angelou. People don't care or what you know. It's uh, They won't remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. Oh, my gosh. I hope you got the gist. It's a really good quote. I just don't know how to it, say it. It's a great quote. And um, then, you know, people don't care how much you know, but they want they do care about how much you care. Something like that. So 
Um, those are the words that I'm trying to express to you. Uh, I also want to say, so how do we do this? And we, you know, we've talked about this actually for the whole month, honestly. Um, consider, we said at the beginning of this today's conversation that uh, charisma can be learned. So, for example, emulation. We have our role models. We have those people that we know. It could be your favorite teacher, your coach, your neighbor next door. There is something that draws you two together. So I'm asking you, again with the questions, Larissa, who are the charmers in your office or even in your extended network? Observe them work their magic. You know, just take a minute, stand over there in that little corner and just kind of do some quiet observance. What stands out to you in their demeanor, their behavior, their interaction with others? What are some of the characteristics, for example, that you can incorporate into your own behaviors? That is modeling, emulation, it's learning from others, and, you know, it's, oh, there's another phrase that is um, mirroring. Uh, so these are some things that you can start with just to kind of get a feel for how they sit with you and how they, um, how you, how you can, you know, how they rest with your persona. Um, I want to tell you that there is actually, um, I don't know how, you know, again, offering YouTube, they keep feeding these videos, and one of which there is a channel called Charisma on Command. And these are really good videos on charisma, which is how I started watching them. And um, they give you great video examples of the charismatic and well-behaved. So some of it's really simply good etiquette. I think that's what a lot large part of it is. And I think we might have mentioned that last week, perhaps. But it's more than that. It is how they make others feel. And what they do is, you know, they give you little snippets, little vignettes of a situation, and then they kind of break it down for you how this person is demonstrating this character, charismatic characteristic. Um, so seeing situation examples, I feel, can help the information be more readily duplicated because you can hear the words, but when you see it in action, that really kind of helps it, helps reinforce the information. So... And if you're really inspired, you know, check out the channel, watch the videos. They also have a course if you just want to take it to the next level. Not promoting, but it is a good resource for you to kind of get a feel for what we're talking. We're trying to give you examples, but here's another resource for you. And, you know, I do love a good book. So here is um, Leadership Charisma. That is a super good book. This is a well-thumbed, um, marked-up book. That's how good it is. And it's a heavy tome, as they say. It's not that thick, but this book has some heft to it. Um, so this uh, book, if you will, um, is an excellent resource for drilling down. They do have a step-by-step -step plan to being more successful and charismatic leader. So I really recommend this. And their names are, there's like three names on here. So just remember the book and the visual for leadership charisma. So this book provides, as I said, a step-by-step -step system for increasing one's charisma It because some of it starts with being a visionary. You have to have a big vision that you're drawing people into. Um, you know, being enthusiastic talks about the body language. Yes, this is a masterpiece. Uh, even affirmations. I mean, they've got everything in here for you. All the building blocks. And so I'm calling it a definite must read. And frankly, multiple times. That's why I marked all these pages so I can go back and look at them and just kind of like remind myself, yes, these are the things that I'm doing. 
don't want it to. Okay, I'm not perfect. Light years away. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we're trying to help you do is build your toolkit. These are three excellent resources that anyone can use. That means you. Yeah. Uh, to increase charismatic cosmopolitan outlook. But you have to see the value in this doing so, so that you can put in the time to do the work because you're not going to learn it overnight. It will take a minute. Um, you know, from self-discovery, which is how we always like to start out our year, is the woman in the mirror. Um, so from self-discovery to incorporation to mastery, it's, it's, a, it's a process. Anywho, um, those are some thoughts that we wanted to share with you because it's critical. And I think I, each time we try to, you know, we want to give you the information, but we also want to give you the framework of why it's important and how it will help you. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you grow and become. And these are some of the resources that you can use to do so. And remember, it's First of all, make sure you're a more wonderful person, but you know, it helps you grow your business. It helps you be a better leader. And so there are so many reasons that I hope that, you know, you'll take this away and, you know, put some time in on it. So for your action item, not too, not too bad, not too hefty. First of all, be yourself, of course, but also be intentional about making others feel seen, heard, and welcome. Take action on that today. Okay, then. So next week, we're going to take an interesting look, as I like to call it, at what it means to be the charismatic among us. We're going to give you at least five role models for charisma, because one of the things that I talked about was emulation. So we're going to mention some names that I'm pretty sure that you know, maybe some names that you don't know. But so you can, again, see, um, see it in action. So make sure that you check us out next week. And before I let you go, if you haven't done so already, do be sure to subscribe to our podcast. It is really all our weekly conversations of offering our best to you. And if you really want to support us, make sure you share this episode with a friend. We will see you next time, gentle persons. Ciao.